0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.
1: Um, y'all, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you getting up early, and I I think listening to what Cameron. Can I move it? Um, so listening to what Cameron had to say about being an asset to, to dads, I think I need to turn that a little bit and just say how important my own dad was to me. And so I think if there's anything that I hope that y'all will walk away with today, it's knowing what a huge impact you have on your daughters huge. Yeah. It is no pressure, none whatsoever. Um but I mean it really is it's it's wonderful moms and daughters have a great connection, but there is something about a daughter's relationship with her daddy that is unmatched. You are setting the groundwork for the man that she is potentially going to marry for the rest of her life. No pressure. Right. So when I think about parenting in general, I think about it like a dance, you know, and there are all different kinds of dances that you can do. And so sometimes when we're parenting, we are doing this waltz and it's good and we're kind of in a rhythm and we're flowing with our kids. And it's a it's a pretty dance. Right. And then sometimes the dance turns into this crazy, like, salsa like woo, hey what and you're just going and you're spinning and things are going fast and we're like what okay so parenting is constantly this dance and we're going back and forth as we're dancing with our kids all right i heard it said one time recently if i can be a little i'm crass i don't know the words but um i heard it recently said that parenting sons is a lot like being around someone who is smoking pot all right that a lot of times with sons you're just like stop being lazy come on are you in there stop eating everything in sight what is your problem you know so a lot of times uh, parenting a son is is you know like being around somebody on weed you know parenting a daughter on the other hand is a lot like being around somebody who's on LSD all right you got no idea what's going on <laughs> There's some there's some crazy trips going on and we're like what all right so there's a big contrast here how many of you have sons and daughters all right so as you know there's a big contrast between guys and girls and understanding those differences between the two of them when I think about girls Every single day, if you were to go to the office, every day, meet with your boss, and have a performance review of everything you've done that day. Every email you sent, every minute you spent your time, even down to the clothes that you wore every day. That's what it's like to be a teenage girl. Every single day is a performance review. Every day. Academically, socially, athletically, materialistically, romantically, relationally, every aspect of a teenager's life is a constant performance review. So as parents, what we're hoping to do is set up a time when they can be with us and not feel like we are just one more person who's reviewing their performance, all right? They get that enough from the outside world. As dads, especially with your daughter, be that one who just says, baby, you're enough just the way you are you don't have to look pretty you don't have to get your act together you can just be and I'm okay with that all right Uh, my youngest son is very much into bugs so (laughs) I'm not so our compromise was that um, we got him one of those butterfly growing kits I can handle butterflies Um, And so we have this little caterpillar, and it comes in the mail, and you put it in the cage, and then it grows into this cocoon. And I had no idea how carefully you have to transfer this thing. It's like dangling, you know, and I'm like, "Ah," trying to move it to its little cage so it can grow into a butterfly, right? Had no idea. But thinking about that, I think that was one of the most profound (laughs) images that I had of what it's like to be a teenage girl, here she is in this tiny little cocoon. You know there's a butterfly in there. You know it's coming out. It's got to grow and it's got to develop. But there is this storm that's blowing around that cocoon. And there are tons of external factors that are out there. And that cocoon is just trying to hang on for dear life. That's what we're talking about when we when we come up with adolescence for, for teenage girls. Um, now there are three different ways that we can know how they're going to handle that storm, all right? There's the developmental piece, there's the environmental exposures, and lastly, there's the support structure. So based on those three things, are how an adolescent girl is going to handle the storms that she's in. So I want us to break it down a little bit between those three. All right, so developmentally. So first, I want to talk about physical development for a teenage girl. Give me some ages. How old are your daughters? Five. Eight. Five. Five. Fourteen. Eight. Fourteen. College. College. High school. Nine. Nine. Sorry, I was like (laughs) 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 slow. How? High, school, high school, junior high. All right, good. All right. So all, all different ages. Okay, good. So when a child, when a, a, a girl hits about 10 or 11, we know culturally that changes are happening developmentally earlier and earlier. And we can blame it on hormones in the milk. We can blame it on social media. We can blame it on whatever it is. But the fact is Girls are developing younger and younger than they ever have, all right? So when we're talking about changes, we're talking about even as young as like 9 and 10 years old, girls are starting to developmentally change. And for a girl, everything is changing. Hormones are changing. Body shape is changing. Weight distribution in your body is changing. So you'll see girls who were very... Um, graceful and savvy on the soccer fields as a child suddenly become a lot more clumsy, a lot more awkward. And it's because our bodies are changing in ways that we don't know what's going on, all right? So when, think about when your wife was pregnant. When she was pregnant and did, did any of your wives have those little apps that we all have that you know, oh, your baby's an avocado today and you know, oh, it's the size of a cantaloupe. Right. So when a woman is pregnant and her body is changing, it's celebrated, it's exciting, there are tons of apps about it, everybody's like, oh, look, all right? When an adolescent girl's body is changing, it is very shameful. It is not fun, it is not something that she typically wants to happen. And so having that is a very uncomfortable experience for a girl. Dads, I really, I'm gonna hone the, I'm gonna beat the dead horse. I cannot stress to you enough the preoccupation that your daughter has with her body. I cannot stress to you enough. The number of times a day that a teenage guy thinks about sex is the same number of times a day. A daughter is thinking about her body. All right, it's a huge, huge deal. We at some point, I'm I'm gonna talk to Cameron and try to hit him up. But someday I'm gonna write a book. I've decided, and when I do, I'm going to address the fact that when developmental changes happen for adolescent girls, that is every time when we see eating disorders start hitting because why? Their bodies are changing and they have no control over it. It is super uncomfortable and so a lot of times we'll see eating disorders hit around 11, 12 years old because they're hitting puberty and they don't like the change. And so the solution is I'm just gonna lose weight and try to go back to my child self I also think, this is not proven, so don't quote me on it, but I'm telling you, I really think, you know the the trend in our culture with the whole transgender? I'm telling you, there's a connection between developmental issues with girls and transgender things. It, It happens at the exact same time, if a kid is, if a girl is uncomfortable with her body, typically she decides she's trans around age 12 or 13. And there has got to be some kind of connection with the discomfort that a child feels, a girl feels with her body and eating disorders, and trans, or any kind of gender issues. All right? It is huge. Girls are always thinking about that. So, you with younger, younger girls. Any guesses the average age uh, a little girl is playing with a Barbie? 15. Barbie doll? Three. Maybe younger.
0: <laughs> you just your kids.
1: I know, right? We all want your daughter. Three? All right, good. So average age for a little girl to be playing with a Barbie is actually seven. Seven years old. Seven years old. Any guesses the average age that a little girl starts comparing her weight to other little girls? Seven seven. Seven years old. At seven years old, our daughters are starting to say, Oh, you look like that. I look like this. Now, I'm not trying to demonize Barbie. All right but there is absolutely some connection with what the images of what we are supposed to be are starting to tell us as girls and the times that it's starting to hit us. Of nine to 11 year olds, girls, 46% of them are on a diet. Nine to 11 year old girls. Dads, I cannot tell you enough the preoccupation that a daughter has physically with her body. It is huge. Yeah?
0: Alice, is, that, is, that, is there anything you can do to fight back against that or push back against that? Or is that like gravity? Is?
1: So well, you can't f- you know, fight the puberty changes. Well,
0: no, don't to that,
1: that's, that's not going to happen. But absolutely, there are a million ways, especially as a dad, <clears throat> that you have such a power to help your child develop this healthy sense of body and self. You know, you can say things to her, like if she comes up to you and says, Daddy, do I look fat? Instead of saying, uh, no, baby, because she's going to say you, you're not ever going to win that argument ever because she's going to say, well, you had to say that because you're my dad. Right. So you're not going to win. Your job as a dad is to come back with that and ask another question and say, baby, do you feel comfortable in that? Because you asking me if you feel fat says to me that you're not really comfortable. Let's talk about it. What's going on with that? All right. I think for dads, knowing yourself as well is huge. What are our own our own issues with with eating and exercise what are our own bents towards people who are different sizes and shapes um, you know i had i had a <clears throat> a daughter a, a little girl who came in <clears throat> and one of her biggest concerns was that her dad is constantly talking about people who are overweight and she is petrified Because there's a lot of joking that goes on about people's weight and, oh, my God, how'd you get like that? Can you believe that? Those kind of things. And your kids are picking up. They're picking up on things like that. So knowing our own bents, I think, is huge, too. All right. So physically, there are a lot of changes going on. Now, intellectually, there are also a lot of changes for a girl going on. All right. Right now, they are, when they are starting to be about 13, 14, 15, they're just starting to think abstractly. Okay? Up until this point, a child is very concrete. They're very black and white. It is either this or this. Okay? And so, that makes it really, really hard. I know I'm gonna blow your mind when I tell you this. It makes it really hard to reason (laughs) with a child because they are still in this very concrete thinking, all right? So for a a teenage girl, her friends, one minute, are like, amazing, and I love them. Or the next second, I have no friends. Nobody likes me, right? Because they're in that concrete black and white thinking, all right? So their life is amazing, or it's horrible. It's one or the other. It's black or white. All right, which actually makes a lot of sense in girl world when you understand that girls are living, teenage girls especially are living in these dichotomies. All right, because teenage girls are told that you need to be sexy but not slutty. Right, you need to be smart but not nerdy. You need to be social. But you can't look like you're trying to get attention. You need to be trendy, but you can't look like you tried to be trendy. Right? So the whole society of what a kid is, is in this black and white system. Alright? So understanding what they're going through is a constant pull back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Okay? Now, the cool thing, especially for dads, Is as they're getting older they have the ability to start thinking way more abstractly about things like religion and politics and asking questions like that all right so we get to engage with them in conversation as opposed to impose on them this is what it has to be now listen I am not saying that when your child says, I don't want to go to church on Sunday morning, you say, okay. All right, I'm not advocating that. You set the boundaries. You set the rules for your house. But what I am saying is instead of saying, yes, you are because you go, you live in this house, that we sit down and we say, so maybe talk to me about that. What's going on? What do you not like about it? I'd I'd love to hear your standpoint. And just listen, all right? Intellectually, this is their time to start expressing opinion and starting to figure out where they are. All right. What's that again? Me. No, you're fine. What's well, different for every child? So, we know that the human brain is not fully developed until the age of 25. All right. And so, really, that gray matter in the brain starts changing again. It changes several points in our development. But, really, about 12, 13, it's going to start. And then again, at like 16, 17. Is this the
0: abstract? Yes. Mm -hmm. 12, 13.
1: Starting. But there are also some other factors you have to factor in. So if a child has ADHD, um, typically they are going to be about two to three years developmentally behind. So even though their chronological age is 15, really developmentally somebody with ADHD would be about 12 or 13 okay so it all just kind of depends on the child itself but yeah that's kind of a rough a rough guideline any other questions okay so developmentally we've talked about physically and intellectually I want to skip over to environmental because we talked about those are the three things that help a child survive the storm all right there are three basic needs for every child three basic needs Security, acceptance, and significance. Security, acceptance, and significance. Security is that unconditional love, that safety, that, baby, even if you mess up, I'm going to be here. Unconditional love. Acceptance. That, for a child, is the need to be noticed. It's the need to be somebody, to have some kind of skill, to have some kind of importance. That's that need to be noticed. And that's acceptance, all right? Significance, the last one, is these are the big existential questions that a teenager needs to ask. Really good, healthy questions. The who am I? What is God? Why am I here? All right? And that's that sense of significance of, do I have a place in this world? All right? Those three things, a teenage girl is always asking herself, what's my security, what's my acceptance, and what's my significance? All right? It is so important, dads, that we help our daughters develop those three pieces because I'm telling you now, if we are not the ones who are helping them, they will find their security, their acceptance, and their significance somewhere. Whether it's in another punk teenage guy, or social media, or grades, or whatever it is, they are going to find their security, acceptance, and significance in something. As Christians, you know where I'm going with this. We find ours in Christ. But dads, you are modeling for your children that relationship with a heavenly father. You are the closest thing that they can comprehend, especially because, remember, they're not abstract thinkers yet. They're concrete thinkers, moving towards abstract. But until then, dads, you are the closest thing that they have to understanding what a heavenly father is and how our security, acceptance, and significance comes through him. As dads, it's so important that we help our daughters develop that here now. Now, I'm writing a blog, actually, for Rooted, coming out, hopefully in a couple weeks, a week or so. And it's on criticism, all right? Dad's criticism Is the number one killer to any relationship whether it's your marriage whether it's your boss whether it's your child criticism is the number one killer for any relationship all right and so when a child feels like dad is constantly criticizing nobody wants to be around that that's not fun and even when we do it out of love because we don't want to see our kids fail because we know that they are more than that and that potential is there, there's a time and a place to offer criticism. But it is not all day every day. There has to be built-in fun in your relationship with your child. There has to be that, that foundation in order for criticism to be heard. But if we're constantly just like, why'd you do that? Have you done your homework? Have you done this? Why'd you do that? Think about the dialogues that are going on with you and your child. Criticism is the number one killer, all right? And so your job as a dad is to give your child the freedom, give your daughter the freedom to wrestle with some of these questions on her own. Give her that freedom. Let her know that her her opinion is very valuable. I will never forget, so my dad is a pastor, was a pastor for years, years. And I remember coming home from college, and um, it was my sophomore year, and me being like, Dad, I love you, but I'm done with God. I'm done. I don't want it anymore. I don't think I believe it. I'm done, all right? And I expected my pastor dad to be like, hell, fire, brimstone, right? And you know what my dad said? He said, okay. I was like, huh? What? He said, yeah, put your Bible up. You stick it under your bed. We'll see how it goes. God is so much bigger than all of that. And me having the freedom (coughs) to wrestle with God and question God through my dad was the most powerful thing because it made me want to go back to it. But if he had chased me around the house with my Bible saying, well, you need to have more quiet times and you just need to get involved in a church group, I would have been like, ha, 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 no, okay? So giving our kids the freedom to ask these questions and to explore some of this stuff on our own. That's huge for a child. All right. Now, it doesn't mean being totally hands off. That's not what this means. There's a really cool um, there's a really cool thing that happened at a place in South Africa. It was called um, Kruger National Park. Did any of y'all hear about this? So cool. Right. So it's an elephant um, preserve and what they ha- what happened was the elephants got too um too too many elephants too rampant so they had to displace them in different places and so they built these harness systems in order to pick some of the elephants up and put them into a different preserve in South Africa the harnesses were fine for the female and the adolescent elephants but the harnesses weren't big enough to hold the male elephants and so they were like, oh, well, we'll just put the, the females and the, the babies over there and leave the guys. What happened was, over a couple of years, at the new preserve. Is it leaking? No, it's just. It okay, just that's water fine. On the bottom. Oh, okay, that's fine. I just didn't want to. That's fine. <laughs> so, at the new preserve, where there were only moms and babies, they found that these rhinoceroses were getting marred and murdered all the time, and they could not figure out what the deal was. So they installed these cameras, and what they found was these adolescent elephants, which elephants are not aggressive by nature, but these adolescent elephants were going around bullying and murdering these rhinoceroses. And what they learned was that elephants learn from the males that when an adolescent elephant is around a male elephant and he starts acting like a fool, that male elephant is gonna lay the smack down and be like, "Mm, you're not acting like that. That's not what we do. We're elephants, we don't act like that. Because they didn't have any males, those teenage elephants went crazy. So what they did was built harnesses that could sustain the males, brought some males over. You know what happened? Dads, you are so important. You are that strong presence that every adolescent, male or female, you are that presence that we need. Your worth is huge in the development of an adolescent. You as a dad, you get to be that strong man but with your baby girls, you also get to be that tender, loving man. You get to be that dichotomy of strength but care. You get to be it. You get to be that one in her life that models what Christ is for us. He is strong. He is reverent he is respectful and yet he's so tender with us he's so caring he's so patient with us dads you get to be that for your child so the lastly was the support structure um emotionally all right when boys fail at something when teenage boys fail at something This is where the weed thing comes in. When teenage boys fail at something, typically, who do they blame? Everybody else. It was my teacher's fault. They didn't bring schoolwork. She's a bad teacher. You should have reminded me. When a teenage guy fails at something, he blames external factors. When a teenage girl fails at something, she blames herself. I'm just stupid. I just don't understand. Therefore, I give up. Statistically, this is why there are much fewer girls in mathematics than there are guys. Because guys see a really hard math problem and they want to conquer it. Boom. I'm going to figure that out. Girls see a really hard math problem and they say, I'm stupid, I give up. And they quit. Dads, it's your job to encourage your girls to do hard things. Teach them to do hard things. Teach them to play sports. Teach them how to cut the grass. Teach them how to use power tools. Teach your girls how to be empowered and to do hard things even when it's tough girls need to learn how to take a deep breath how to slow down and how to try again and persevere every day in my office i am using the word resilient with my clients our kids they do not know how to be resilient how to make mistakes and then how to recover and keep going. Be resilient. Now, I want to leave you with a couple of practical things. So, I, I, I'm using the anacronym PIES. Alright, P-I-E-S. Girls like pies. Think about it that way. Girls like pies. Alright, so the P is the physical stuff. Dads. We've talked about how a, a daughter's body is changing she is very very uncomfortable with her body if you used to hug her but now that her body's changing you're kind of like eh, i mean i don't really know what she's hearing is i'm not comfortable with my body and you're not comfortable with my body either all right so give her physical affection now obviously that has to be a little different than it was when she was a little girl right That's just kind of weird. But keep giving her that physical affection. I can't tell you how important it is for a girl to get a hug. Or even if it's a playful, like, shove on the shoulder. All right? Be that physical. So think physical. She's got to have that from from her dad. If she doesn't have that from you, from a male, a healthy male, guess where she's going to find it? There you go boy on a motorcycle <laughs> all right so she's going to find it somewhere be the one to give her that physical affection all right <laughs> um intellectually so that's the eye the so physical you we're going to be there present we're going to give her hugs we're going to be physical with her intellectually ask her opinion on things whether it's politics or religion yes those are great But I think more practically, dads, what are your daughters into? Are they into clothes? Are they into fashion? If so, great! Your job is to pick out two ties from your closet, walk into her room, and say, Honey, I need your opinion. Which tie do you think I should wear? What looks better on me? Okay? See, we're taking the things that she's interested in and saying, yeah, you're good at that. I need your help, all right? You may not care what tie. This is just an act of, I want you to know you're valuable. If she likes food, tell her you need to bring cookies to the office, whatever, all right? And ask her, hey, do you have any recipes? Or would you help me make some cookies? Things like that. So think about what your child is into and then tap into that and asking her opinion and really facilitating that. All right. Emotionally, this is the E. Emotionally. At any given moment, she is feeling a million different emotions. We don't know why. Even as a grown woman, I don't know why. There are times when I am completely crazy And I can cry and I'm screaming and I have absolutely no idea why. And do not ask me why because I will come up with a reason because I know it's crazy. But I do not know. All right. At any given moment, your daughter is feeling a million different emotions. Be willing to ride the wave. All right. Be willing to go to her bedroom every night, stand in the doorway. Sit on the edge of her bed. Shut your mouth. Don't try to fix it. Just listen.
0: <laughs> all
1: right, my dad was really good at this. He, he dated us, all right? And so he would take, I have two older sisters, and so he would take us out on dates. And so mine was on Wednesday afternoons, and we would go get popcorn before Wednesday night church. And I remember my dad, he would sit down, and every week, dads, he would ask me the same question. All right? He would look at me He's very southern. All right? So he would say, darling, what's it like to be you? And then he would just stop. And at first, I was creeped out, and that was weird, and I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what are you, What are you talking about? I don't know. right, so know that if you get that response, that's okay. But the next week, you're going to come back and ask that same question. Darling, what's it like to be you? That's not, what have you done on your homework? It's not, what do you have coming up? It's, what's it like to be you? And eventually, I got to the point where I would profess my love for Michael Bolton, And tell my dad how in love with him I am. I just can never have Michael Bolton. (laughs) Right? We had that relationship. We could do that. Because it was a week after week thing. And I knew that he was safe. And he was going to ride the waves with me. When it's high tide, y'all better be high tide. When it's low tide, you got to be low tide. Be willing to ride the emotional waves. All right? The, the last thing is spiritually. We cannot underestimate the power spiritually that you have for your daughters. All right? We've already talked about how you are the earthly example of the Heavenly Father. And that is amazing. Our Heavenly Father provides for us. He cares for us. He loves us. He disciplines us. You are that version for her, all right? So give her space. It is normal for a teenager to go into their room and close their door for hours and hours. That's normal. Don't freak out. However, the same way that Christ pursues us, we pursue our daughters. All right. so even if she's in her room for 2-3 hours I love the image put this image in your head you stand at the door and knock sound familiar? the same way that Christ stands at the door and knocks <coughs> dads stand at the door and knock pursue your daughter and if she says go away it's okay We say that with Christ all the time. We spit in his face. We tell him we don't want him. But he never gives up. He continually pursues us. And that's your job as a dad. Go back and knock again. All right? Knock at the door. Stand there. Give her the space. But let her know that you are always available. You are the one she is the one that you pursue. It's her heart that you want to understand. All right? I had my dad and I, we continue to have our our dates. It's not weekly anymore. But I was having coffee with him last last week or two weeks ago. Last week. And I was telling him about coming here. And I was just asking him about being a dad. Which, by the way, he... He would be, if y'all ever want to do a dad parenting conference, you need to call him. He's phenomenal. Um, and so I was asking him what it was like as he's reflecting now that he has grown grown daughters. And I want to leave you with this. He said, you know, darling, there's only one time in life to do some things. And you have one One chance to be a dad to the child at that age. There's one time in life to do some things. And I want to leave you with that, not with the burden of there's one time, but with the hope that with Christ, there's one time. You have this opportunity. Are you going to mess up? Yeah. Which is why we have Christ. Which is why we have him to intercede with us and to help us and the Holy Spirit to guide us and to be there, to be aware of what's going on with our daughters and how we can help and serve them. Let me open it up. I don't know. how, How much time are we crunched on time? Okay. Does anybody have any questions or anything? Yeah.
0: Is um, there such a thing as, like, over-affirming under a guard. Um but I think my mindset is this. My wife sometimes is with this. Like, the world is going to, like, chop my daughter down you know, into little pieces. So I, like, I'm, like, pumping her full back uh-huh. and all the time. I watch the and, and get her, like, big head, right. unrealistic sense of self. Right. Sense of work, and, you know,
1: Right. That's so, impossible. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck. <laughs> no, I I mean I think really, Cameron, you've got to go back to you gotta speak the truth in love. That that's what we're called to do. And if if she's doing things that are not Christ like then yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't, I think, I think I'm totally going to skirt around that one. I think y'all got to figure it out. I think you know your daughter. I think you know if it's too much. If you see her acting like she's got a big head, then maybe it's too much. You know, I don't think that there's a, I'm not going there. That's between (laughs) y'all.
0: In the sense of affirming our love for them, you can't ever.
1: No, no, not. Not ever your love, for sure. So for sure. An
0: easier way to potentially dodge it, yeah, there
1: you go. Cameron, are you listening to this? I'm all in. All right, cool. <laughs> all
0: oh, so you're misunderstanding how I'm actually demonstrating. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it turns <depends laughs> out you're judging my motives. Right.
1: That's hard. hilarious. Yes, good point, though. Yeah.
0: Uh, how, like, how uh, would you say, as dads, we like practically um, communicate our own like shortcomings and failures around our daughters? Particularly, like, I mean, my daughters are eight, to five, so yeah. Like, I, I don't think I had great modeling on this as a as a kid, so I don't really, I, you know, I'm very aware of my weak, my weaknesses and shortcomings and failures. Trying to figure out how to, you know, how to communicate those and and teach my kids, my daughters, that you know, when they start realizing that there's things wrong with them, that's not like an alien concept. Yes. You know, like, oh, my parents are, you know, they have problems like, struggles. and struggles. So, would you just say something
1: about that? Yes, I, I think that that's a really good. I think that's a really good perspective to have. I think that it is a fine line because. On the the, absolutely admit when you're wrong go to them I think it's important especially young at that age you need to get down like this you need to be on their level all right and so you're kind of taking a submissive stance anyway as opposed to I was wrong (laughs) right it kind of loses the the effect Um, and so I think that knowing that and going to them and just saying you know maybe I messed up and here's why Because God has called me to speak a soft answer turns away wrath. And I didn't do that, you know. And so I think you're pointing back to scripture as to what the sin was and demonstrating that I need forgiveness. That's why grace is for me. I mean, to me, every conversation comes back to, and that's why grace is for me. And that's why grace is for you. You messed up. You messed up. And that's why grace is for you you know. And so I think it's coming back to that that mentality. But on the other side Tommy, I think that it's important that we don't overly confess. Does that make sense? I think it's got to be a very appropriate level of confess and then move on, you know. I know of parents who continually Come back to. I mean, I'm so sorry, and I, I just really, I didn't mean to, and da, da da da. And at some point, for a kid, they start feeling like they've got to carry that burden. Like mm-hmm. I got to make sure you're okay.
0: <laughs> you're kind of
1: creeping me out. So I think you're right to have that kind of a good balance. Yeah. Yeah, can
0: I ask you a question? yeah of course. The whole affection thing and hugs. and My older daughter is affectionate. She's 17 years old. My 14. Well, know we and yep. it just is like totally, she and her three or four best friends, are we like totally, and like our school group of dads, we just sort of frustrated by that a little bit, sure. it's completely hands-off, don't touch me, yeah. get away, Yeah. so I had to figure out a way, I guess, to do a virtual hug or something. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, Yeah. And I think that you can make a joke out of it too. You know, I mean, I think that the idea is that you're pursuing her. I would be interested in, this is kind of taking a derail, but I would be interested in her personality type because different personality types are going to be more prickly to physical affection. Right. And so if you can know what is, what's her personality and is this something that she would respond to or not, um, but I think that that's where it doesn't have to be hugs, but that's where you can like shover you know yeah. you know kind of do a kick or things like that that still s- make some kind of contact but don't have to be like hug me you know have to out. right. <laughs>
0: more. I mean, creeper up more than I think mean. <laughs> <laughs> Right. the <our> goal here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I like your virtual hug, though. I think that that's a funny idea.
0: i kind of like it here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that <laughs> a lot. It works. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, trip them. That's a great idea. To games. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I know, right? <laughs> um, well, we're coming to quit. Why don't I pray for us? Okay. Thanks so much, Alice. Sure, of course. God, thanks uh, for this time. Thank you for the wisdom you've given Alice, and for the ministry you've given her. And Lord, we are um, we are all just uh, struggling uh, to um, try to figure this out, and I pray you bless us with wisdom, nice Lord. We pray that our daughters would know you. Um, as their Heavenly Father is the one who loves them perfectly. And pray, God, that the expectation of their heart would be in you um, and in your grace and your love now. And I pray that you'd help us all to abide in Christ today. It might bear much fruit in the glory in the name of Christ. We just to pray. Amen. Amen. Um, all right. Thanks, Alice. You're Thanks so nice welcome.